Welcome to the Pack Mentality Podcast. I'm Matt Bauer, and I own Red Wolf CrossFit in Huntington Beach, California. I've been coaching for 16 years. I created this podcast with one goal in mind, and that was to make fitness education accessible, engaging, and effective for everyone. Today, I have a very good friend of mine on the podcast today, Eric Freedom Reason Chang. He owns CrossFit Reason in Arcadia, California. He has been a gym owner for 10 years. He started in a garage, and we have both have very similar stories. We also went to college together at Biola University, and we, that's where we both found CrossFit through, um, well, youth found it through found a it mutual through. friend, <clears throat> yeah. and then we've been friends ever since, kind of yeah. off and on, but more recently, been hanging out a lot more. Yes, sir. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Ready to rock and roll? Yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll. That's cool. That's good. You said that's welcome good. to the show made me think of Goob. You ever follow Goob? Dude, that's where I got welcome to the show from. <laughs> he goes, welcome to the show. I love Goob. If you're not following Goob, oh, is it Goob to you <laughs> yeah, on Goob, Instagram? Goob something. Follow him he's on brilliant. Instagram. He's, he's excellent. All right, so let's get right into things. Eric, share with us what event has had the most profound impact on shaping Man. the person you are today. That, that's, that's going straight for the basement. Dude, we go straight for it, That's dude. straight for the basement. We don't waste dude. any time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, there's two, two things that come to mind when I think about, uh, and they're both, they're both like fitness related and not fitness related in a way, I guess. Um, first one probably like my faith. So like when I, when I became a Christian, that's a, that's a, probably the most profound thing that's happened in my life. And I would say secondly would be meeting my wife. Mm. Yeah. Would, would be the, the most second most profound or thing that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. And I'm guessing you want me to tell you why. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Good, you know this. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think for me, just uh, the framework, at, at least for me with my faith, it's, it's the, like, I, I'm, I'm a person that is, like, incredibly anxious. And I think, um, I mean, you knowing me over the years and knowing me more in depth over this past probably, probably what, two years two, or two so. Years now, yeah. Like, do I seem like an anxious person to you? Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know. So I think I think one thing that I've been trying to live in, and 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 while while one, in one way I know it's true in my head, I want it to be true in my heart as well. Is um like there's a, there's a actually a verse in the Bible in Matthew six where uh, it talks about like like even the birds like even the birds don't worry like even the birds just chill because they know that they're gonna have food and stuff like that. And I think I live in a very um, I think because of my my upbringing, which we could probably talk about later. Yeah. Like I have, I, I always have these moments of like fear of whether or not like my life is good basically. Yeah. And I think, um, just, just, I, I use that example of, I think like if you, if you really look at like even the animals that are outside, like they don't freaking care. Like they're not like stressed out or anxious. They're just like, I'm just chilling, looking for my next meal. And like life is pretty good. You know, like birds are just flying in the air and here and there they'll fly down, boom, pick up, I don't know, a worm or something, <laughs> and like fly back up, right? Um, <clears throat> so I think that's been a, that's had a profound impact like on my life. Uh, secondly, I think like meeting my wife, and I know this is like a really cliche thing to say, but um, I think who you marry or who you spend, like who you partner with for the rest of your life is such a huge indicator of like where you will or will not be in life. Oh yeah. In the next 10, 20, 30, or forever rest of your life. Um, I think it's incredibly underrated. I think it's probably the most um, important decision that we make in our lives, probably more than any other decision that we make. Right. And I think that in today's day and age, it's really easy to, um, 
it seems like such a a thing that people don't focus on anymore. Like I think nowadays people are so focused on career and focusing on like, you know, figuring out like exactly what you're supposed to do vocationally and all this stuff. And it's like, I, I have a, I'm very fortunate where like I've known my wife since I was 12. We got, we started dating at 17 and then we got married at 24. Wow. Yeah. Dang. And then we've been married for uh, 11 years now. Dang. So yeah, it was, it was like, it was almost meant to be. It, it feels like it, yeah. There's moments where it feels like it's not meant to be. I <laughs> think every relationship feels like that every, here and there. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's go, going back to the uh, anxiety and how yeah. you deal with that. So uh, what's, what's something, a tool that you use yeah. today? Like, let's say you're really anxious, like right now, this, right this second. Ooh, what's, like what's something that you would do or say? to yourself Um, like if you had to coach yourself through it yeah that's a great question so so, to to give you context um as much as i am an anxious person i don't have like i don't really get panic attacks or i don't i don't really get like moments of like questioning my life and freaking out you know people get like these like breathing panic attacks yeah i think for me what what anxiety looks like more so is over time i start to get into like a slump Mm. Like so, so what happens is like I, uh, for me, anxiety tends to be like numbing. Anxiety tends to be like when I feel when I feel stress or I feel anxious about my future or a current situation that I'm in. What I tend to do is I will sedate, right? So like so my natural my natural state will be like sedating and like um, I don't know like I'll be I'll be um, I'll lounge around more. Okay. Or I'll binge eat as a coping mechanism, right? Yeah, so these okay. are like unhealthy ways to cope. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate yeah, to that. Yeah, right? So like I'll, I'll, I'll binge eat or uh, I'll look for a way. Like like anytime like I have like back issues with my back, historically, I'm actually one year back spasm free. So I'm Awesome. So, Congratulations. So huge. Thank you. It's a very big deal for me. Um, but, you know, historically what I do is like my wife knows if I have a back spasm, she'll, just, she'll be like, oh, dude, you're about to order Taco Bell, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like the, the, the worst, absolute possible worst worst thing you can you can do to yourself when you have a back spasm but like i have these like ingrained patterns over time of like mm-hmm. a decade of having back it's like that's my version of like doing drugs basically yeah, yeah. it's like my version of like doing opiates mm-hmm. right and <clears throat> now nowadays uh i don't get i don't have that those same cups of stress but i have when i do have similar stress um i think for for me coping mechanisms look just more like taking action Got it. So it's like instead of me, uh, instead of me letting myself get stuck in anxiety, um, I'll take action because I feel like action beats anxiety every single time. Yeah. Like I just, I just need to get momentum forward. I need to push forward, and then the anxiety starts to fade away because I'm, I'm like in, in control of my fate. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. And that's something that I've learned recently too, is that whenever I get anxious, I agree with you a hundred percent is that I'll start working on taking action on something. And then, but before I take action on that, I get very specific on the reason why I'm having the anxiety in the first place. And then I try and isolate that reason. And then I try and get into solution mode of like, yeah. how can I solve this problem? Like yeah. what is the specific problem yeah. that's giving me anxiety? And I'm going to work on that problem specifically. Yeah. That's good. And I think a lot of times we, we look for like the, like, like, we have to plan. We don't necessarily have to plan out ten steps ahead. Yeah, like it's like oh, I don't, like on the other side of, because because you might do A B C and that doesn't equal anxiety free on the other side. Right. But maybe just taking a step A or B in the, in in the right direction is enough to propel you to get into motion to figure out what maybe C D E F would look like. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times we forget. So for me, it's like like just making sure that I work out. 
yeah. that's really key. Like I know, and it, sound, it sounds like kind of weird to say that, but I'm sure you relate. It's like, for me, once I start moving, once I start sweating, at least in those 20, 30, one hour, 60 minutes, I don't think about anything else. Yeah. Right. Um, for me, something recently that I've been I've been doing a little bit more on and off is jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, jujitsu kind of gives me this that that similar feeling I had in early CrossFit that I don't get as it's like harder to obtain now. Okay, like that. And what like, is that? Feeling? Like you still get that workout high every time you work out. Like define workout high. Uh, so like the first time I ever did, um, like Barbara. Mm. Uh, five, uh, was that the 10, 20? Yeah, it was like 10, uh, 20, like 30, 20 40. pull-ups, 30 push-ups. Yeah, 20, 30, 40, 50, like, right? Something like and that. Three, th- three rounds, rest. Yeah, rest like two minutes. Yeah, yeah rest three two minutes. minutes or something. And then you five rounds, right? Yeah, five rounds. So the first time I ever did that, I felt almost like this, like, it was like the first time I ever did an ice bath. Like, I felt this, like, extreme mental clarity after. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I felt terrible. But, <laughs> but I felt, like, extreme mental clarity afterwards. I felt, like, really, almost, like, high. I like a, like a like a serotonin opiate hit. Yeah, and it's harder for me to train or move like with that same same level of intensity or effort to feel that exact same. It's like every high is a little bit lower now. I still like I still obtain some of it, but it's not the same. It's I don't, I haven't felt like that early two thousand nine to two thousand twelve high that I used to get a lot more. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that you just own a gym and you've been around it for so long, like for day sure. in and day out? Yeah, for sure. I feel, yeah, yeah. It's like this is very normal to me, right? right? Whereas, like sometimes I'll watch new people that come through a gym and I see them like all jacked up after yeah. a workout. <laughs> I'm almost kind of jealous because mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, I, I like I. It's crazy because I could go at it the same effort that like what perceivably as hard as that guy went after it, and I like it's like the result wouldn't be the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's because I've dosed that discomfort so much that I'm a little bit used to it. Whereas for me, and, and this isn't like, I think jujitsu is the answer or anything like that because I don't do it regularly enough. Yeah. But the sessions when I do go get a one-on-one or something like that, it's so uncomfortable because I'm so bad at it. Yeah. That like the entire time you're in fight or flight yeah. and you're also doing math. You're like, oh dude, if I do this, he's going to do this. Or if I do this or he does this, I have to do this to counter it. And it's like this, it's a physical chess game yeah. and you're exhausted. It's like, it's, it's cardio the entire time. Yeah. And it's cardio and it's, uh, it's a, uh, um, isometric, uh, tension yeah. the entire time. You're just gripping and like you're tight this whole time. Yeah. You're never loose. And I think afterwards, like an hour, you're like, dude, I can't believe we just, I, I did this for an hour and I feel like a little bit of this high, but it, the, the biggest thing is that I, d- I really didn't have space. Like now when I'm at Metcon, sometimes I don't go hard enough where I can't think about something else. Yeah. Like I can train and still think about everything I have to do that day. Mm. Right. Whereas when you're doing jujitsu, if you're doing that, there's no way you're having a good session. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you don't have time to think about it in jujitsu. Exactly. I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, yeah. I, I haven't done jujitsu myself, yeah. but, um, from what you described and from my friends who do it as well, they they, they say, they say the exact same thing. It's like, it's like a chess match, but it's also physical. Yeah. So, um, along with that, I mean, don't you think, do you think that that's like your new CrossFit now? And do you think that has anything to do yeah. with just the fact that that gets you outside, like the four walls that you work in, that you've been used to doing yeah. the whole time and gets you also into an environment to where you're being coached? Absolutely, because I'll tell you today, I just did a class at your gym, and I felt that high. Yeah, because it was right? just it was just different. Yeah, right? right. Because it wasn't in my own gym. Right. It wasn't in, in like my own space with my pull up bars and um, my dumb. It's like the same stuff, but it's it's like changing that ecosystem. Yeah. And right away, like I sent it today. Like I, I know you did. You yeah, worked hard. <laughs> yeah, I worked really hard. I feel I still feel it in my biceps and my lats a little bit, and I feel really really good. Um, not that I don't feel that at my gym. It's that, but it's like. 
I'm so used to that environment. Yeah. And that's also your work environment too, which exactly. is, which is a lot different because you're also have to be on in a different way Correct. in your, in your business Correct. environment. hundred percent. Good. That, that actually moves us perfectly into our second segment here, which we're going to talk about balancing, f- uh, business, family, and, and, uh, our fitness as well. So yeah. when you're trying to balance those three, what seems to be the one that seems to fall to the wayside the most? Oof. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but for me, uh, between like fitness, business, and family, uh, I would say that for at least for the last six years, seven years maybe, ever since my back injury, I think I kind of used it as this excuse to be like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to be that fit anyway. Like I can't, I can't compete at the highest level of the sport mm-hmm. anymore. So like, you know what? Um, maintenance is good enough. And I think that's, that's actually a space that I've been living in for, I mean some time now where I know that I'm probably fitter than the average individual, mm-hmm. but then I know that like w- with what I'm accustomed to, I'm not even close. And I think there's a, there's a frustration point of like, well, what would it take to be closer to the other side of that spectrum versus where I'm at now? And then there's days where I'm also like, well, I'm still good enough. And I think that's, that's a tension that I actively live in right now, right? It's like, what is good enough? What is my minimum standard? And what is that standard now? Um, I'm trying to figure that out, honestly. Okay. So it's like I'm actively in in the mode of like trying to figure out what what that means for me. Uh, I know that I want to. I before they changed it, I wanted to qualify for a quarterfinal in 2025. But now I'm, I think I'll make it like <laughs> top 25. percent So I'm still aiming for a 2025. Oh, I just banged the table. Um, <laughs> I'm still aiming for a 2025. But I mean, we'll see what happens this year. But like again, at the same time, I'm, I use that as like a third party external validation. But I actually don't care about doing well in the open. You know what I mean? So I think it, it's a tough. It's a. It's a, like earlier I was like, oh, maybe I'm just gonna like spend 2024 like just getting jacked out of my mind, you know. But then even even with that, it's like, and then what? Yeah. You know, and I think, and I think that's always the the tough part of like. Like if I, I know that for me, if it's not rooted deep enough in some kind of why, I'm probably not going to pursue it to the best of my ability. Like I work really, really hard in business or uh, like with on the on the gym right now, and I'm starting to have other things that I'm working on outside of the gym. Mm-hmm. But for ten years, I've worked really, really hard in the gym for two reasons. Number one, um, I knew that I really, really wanted to serve people, and I took the mission of my job very, very seriously. Right, like I could be doing an office job. I could be, I could have a traditional nine to five. I could be in like consulting or, or, like jobs that maybe like I might do well in, but may not enjoy the lifestyle as much. Yeah. But I know the mission of what I'm doing in in, in business. I love deeply. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent. And I've loved it for a long time. And the second thing is like I'm driven by the why is like I have a family. Yeah. And like I want to take care of my family, not only my family, but um, my my non blood related family, like. I consider members of like my staff family and I want to see them do well, mm-hmm. you know, and, not, and on top of that, as an extension of my staff, I want to see, I want to see every member of my community do really, really well in their life too. And I want fitness to be the catalyst for that. You know, like I want to see them all crush whatever outside goals that they have outside of the gym. Right. And I, I want to see the gym as this place where you come in and because you crush it in here, we give you the confidence to go out and crush it uh, as a doctor or go out and crush it in your consulting job or as a small business owner. Right. Like whatever that is. Or maybe you crush it in a sport outside of our gym. You know, 100 yeah. percent. And I think a lot of us get into fitness either for aesthetics or for performance or just for overall health. But I think oftentimes that once we start seeing some results, 
an unexpected pleasant outcome of that is confidence. And that's yeah. something that really helped me a lot because before I even started working out, I was not a confident person at all. I was very mm. introverted. I didn't believe in myself a lot of things. But then once I started working out, you know, not just CrossFit, but yeah. it, it amplified more when I did CrossFit. And I saw that, you know, my body was changing and yeah. all, not only that, I got the mental health benefits yeah. of exercise. I started getting more confident, being more aggressive with yeah. things that I actually wanted and being less afraid of that. Yeah, I think there's like a two-part threat to being really, really fit, right? The first one is like, you know the work that you're capable of doing. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, ben like one of the benefits of, if you're, if you're ready and in that state of life where it benefits you, like let's say you're being really, really wealthy, right? If you check your bank account and you know you got like 10 mil in there, it, like you know from a validation standpoint, like I, like I'm not gonna, it's the opposite of like Maslow's, like Maslow's higher needs. Yeah. You know from a security standpoint, I'm Gucci. I'll probably never be homeless unless I develop some kind of like extreme habit yeah. or, or addiction, right? Mm -hmm. So you know like it's that same validation with, with the same, like with your fitness, that analogy that I'm trying to draw is, you know that what you have stored in the bank because of the work that you've done. Right. Right. And then on the other side of it, I think just from an aesthetic standpoint, like, you know that like, you know, we're in our third, I'm in my late, I'm, I'm in my late thirties now. Wow. <clears throat> I know. Welcome. <laughs> um, welcome. You'll get there someday. But um, as I start to approach like 40, you know, I, I'm starting to see like more and more of my friends. Like I just, um, I had a high school friend reach out to, to Luke yesterday. He walked in the gym. Um, a guy that I remember from like two, two decades ago. And he goes like, oh, does Eric still own this gym? And I actually still remember his name. Really? Crazily enough. That's like, crazy. Yeah, he's like a year older than me, like a class older than me. And, and I graduated in a thousand person class. But long story short is like he comes in and he's like, yeah, basically like, I'm a dad now. And I'm like, I'm like grossly out of shape. And it's like, I can only imagine like where his confidence is and how he must feel internally about himself because he knows that he hasn't taken really great care of himself. But it's like, n like I think for me, um, having like a really fit body is like having like mills mills in the bank yeah because it's literally like you look in the mirror you're like like can't touch this you yeah. know like not 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 like in an arrogant way but it's yeah. like like you just feel really really good uh, i heard i heard someone say like there are more people that have uh there are less people that have six packs than people that have that have million dollars in the bank yeah that's wild if you think that about that it. is from wild. a rarity standpoint because if you look at the world uh, uh world wealth we're gonna World Wealth. World, like WHO or? W world. No, that's health. Yeah. No, World Health. Well, it's a World Wealth. It's like a wealth distribution. Okay. Right? I think like 50% of people in the entire world have a net worth of under $10,000. Under $10,000. 50% of the world. Yeah. Right? And then there's like the next tier up. And then 1 million plus, like if you have a million dollar net worth mm -hmm. plus, it's 0.9% wow. of the entire world. That's crazy. And that's crazy because even within people that have a million dollar net worth, the, the, the gap between millionaires and like deca millionaires, like real millionaires, right? Yeah. Nowadays, if you live in California and you have a house, like you're pretty much a millionaire, yeah. <laughs> right? So between that and like deca millionaires and then billionaires, or 100 millionaires and billionaires, it's like, it's an insane gap. That is an insane and gap. And they're saying that there are less people that have six packs than those people. Yeah. Right? And not to say six packs like a measure of like how fit you are, but it's mm -hmm. like that's that just goes to show like the rarity of how it is. And I think that's why I think that's why society idolizes the idea of having a six pack so much. Because well, yeah. we, because we know how hard it is to obtain one. It's hard and you 
there's nothing you can do other than work for it. Exactly. Like that you can't, you can't buy inherit, it. You, you can't, can, inherit, you can't inherit it. You can't, and no one can take it away from you, which exactly. is, it's, it's an, it's an asset that no one can steal yeah. or you can't lose in a divorce. You can't, yeah. no one can steal it. Yep. Like it's, it's a hundred percent earned. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, so uh, Wolfpack. So make sure you guys go get six packs to match your uh, million dollar bank account. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Um, let's move on to focus, focus and discipline. So we're going to kind of shift into here in some business stuff. I would yep. love, love to chat about because we're both gym owners. Um, you've owned your gym for 10 years. I've owned yeah. mine going on now 11. And we started roughly around the same time. And I think we, you and I both have learned the hard way yes. <laughs> of focus and discipline. Absolutely. And this is something that I get asked a lot about. Either, you know, it's, it's, it's usually one of these three, three things. It's either discipline, motivation, or focus. So mm. how did, what, what was like the biggest lesson that you learned going through the 10 years of your gym oh, of man. where like, like, is there anything that stands out on focus and discipline specifically that you had like a tough lesson that you had to learn? Focus and discipline. Um, man, it's hard to, it's hard to capture 10 years into like one memory or one specific event. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult. I think from, I think from a, I think from a focus standpoint, I think there's just focus and attention standpoint, at least for me. And I want to hear yours too, but yeah, there's so many things fighting for your attention when you're a small business owner. Oh, right? yeah. Especially when you're still, uh, when you're in, when you're in the mode of, I, I'm the primary servicer of of the product. Yeah. Right. So I think on one end, it's like, I want to do right by, um, I want to do right by all my clients because I want to make sure that every, like what they get from me or anybody else is really, really consistent. That's really, really good. And I know that no matter who the face is on that side of it, that that product is really, really good. I think one of the biggest steps, uh, one of the biggest things that, that is, is hard to do is going from, excuse me, going from, being the person that's doing everything to doing the being the person that's doing some of those things and then slowly shifting some of my attention to other things and a lot of it like and it's it's tough because i think for like me and you we didn't get into this like to get rich no right like i, I got into this because i just love doing this yeah and i just want to make enough to like like i, I say this and it's like I, I i'm embarrassed to share this but i've said this out loud so many times now like to friends and family <laughs> but i've never like said this publicly but like one of my biggest fears growing up and there's a deep story behind this but was that like i would go to a restaurant and for some reason this restaurant was applebee's you remember applebee's they like i think they're like bankrupt now <laughs> but you know what applebee's is oh yeah it's like a chili's type place yeah is it and, better than chili's I mean, I haven't eaten there in over a decade. Okay, but uh, but in high, in college, Applebee's was kind of this like uh, post uh, Friday. It's like a Friday night hangout mm -hmm. where you go and like they have happy hour and stuff like that. Yeah, and most of us are like starting to get our um, our most of us are trying to get our, our twenty one. Like we, most of us are turning twenty one, so we can start drinking yeah. publicly, right? So I used to go to Applebee's, and I remember I had this fear because I was still dating my wife at the time, and I had this fear of like, man, would I ever be able to order off of like the, f the regular menu and not just the happy hour menu. Yeah. And it's like really, it's really embarrassing and corny to share that. But like one of my biggest fears was this idea of, um, could I take my family here someday and not tell my kids, have to tell my kids like, Hey, we only order off this section. 
Like, I want them to be able to, like, go to Applebee's and just order anything they wanted on the menu. Yeah. Right? Like, that was, like, for me, that would have been success. Yeah. Like, that would have been good enough. Yeah. And in hindsight, like, I was like, man, that's a, that's kind of like a corny goal. But it's because of the way that I was raised. Yeah. hundred you know, percent. Like, it was such a big, it was, like, such a big goal in my mind. And when I, when I, when I see myself trying to ascend or do different things in my business, I often feel like there's this idea or from, maybe from people that are in our community over a long time that knew me from the past, that... They, they would put you in a light of like, oh, this guy's like selling out in some way. Yeah. Or he's like, he just cares about money now. Where really it's like, I'm trying to ascend, ascend in my roles so that I can do better for everybody. Yeah. To build a platform also for yeah. the, your, your coaches. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's kind of one of my goals right now too, is because my team's not as big as yours in terms of the gym. <laughs> but... You know, I've I've been very lucky that I've been able to do this full time. Yeah. You know, for eleven years, and I've seen a lot of great coaches come and go because, you know, they just couldn't make a decent living. So they went yeah. on to be firemen, they went on to do yep. medical stuff, yeah. police officer, whatever. And so I'm like, man, we are losing so many good coaches to other industries. to other industries because they can't make a decent living. Yeah. And so that's what kind of like my next step, I think, and my mission is for my gym is to build a platform for the next generation of coaches. Yeah, I feel that. Same. No, that's Same. awesome. Yeah, and I, I think and I think it requires tons of focus. Tons like, of focus. Tons of focus and a clear path in that direction where we're gonna do it this way because because we want to make our industry better. Yeah. 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 And I, I think one thing that definitely helps with either discipline or focus is when you gain clarity on what you really need or want. Mm -hmm. And then once you kind of dive into it and having that be your only thing until you get it. And I wasn't really tested like that until COVID when uh, I had to move into my gym parking lot with my family of four and we lived in an RV yeah. and we knew that, and basically what happened in a nutshell was that the, uh, car, the car repair place next door to us, uh, offered my landlord $50,000 to take over my lease when my lease was up. Cause they knew my lease was up mm -hmm. and this was during COVID as well. So they just took full advantage of that. And that really got me fired up. And it was like, you know, I'm like, I have two choices. I can either close. Yeah and just move on to something else because we had no idea what the end date was going to be because yeah. they kept pushing it back. Remember that? That was yeah. annoying. And then, or it was like, I hunt for a building, which nobody wants me because I'm a gym. And I, I probably, probably con my, my real estate broker probably talked to at least 30 locations, 20 or 30. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember the top of, off of my head, but, uh, <laughs> most of them said no, specifically yeah. because I was a gym and they're like, yeah. you're a gym, even though your financials are pretty good. Like, it's just not, yeah. it's just not, you're like, we don't want to take that risk. And we're yeah. just like, man. And then finally we found a spot, which is our current location, but it was so expensive. And I'm like, you know, I have a choice. I can either keep the gym going yeah. or I take this spot and then I figure it out. Yeah. So I decided to sign the lease and I decided to figure it out. And that was, that was some tough times, but I, I only had one singular focus and I didn't have an option. And we actually ended up moving out of my old gym with 10 days left. I actually had to get an extension for one extra month so I could, because so, we, we, had no, we didn't, hadn't signed a lease anywhere. So I, and so 10 days before I was supposed to be completely out of there, I moved the gym in one day, <laughs> the That's entire gym, in one or two days. And it was, and I was really lucky because, you know, the members rallied behind. We told them what was going on. And uh, some of them actually got frustrated because they're like, well, what's going on? And I'm like, well, I haven't signed a lease yet. I'll, like, I'll tell you when I know yeah. for sure, but I'm not going to give you guys information that ends up falling through because yeah. you know, until the lease is signed, until the money's exchanged, until I get all the permits, until I get the keys, yeah. nothing can happen. Yeah. And that was a time where 
Um, I've never been so focused and disciplined in my life because that was the only thing that mattered was to save my, save my business, you know, yeah. keep it going, make it survive. Yeah. And then I only had I clarity because I had to just do one step at a time to get there. Yeah. And so I learned a lot from that That's a great experience. Story focus, yeah, that was that I had, I, I didn't have any other option. And so now I've taken that same approach. I try to take that same approach in as much as I can. That's good, man. That was fun. <laughs> but I don't want to do that again. I, I remember when I remember. I still remember when we were going through COVID, and you were telling me that you were staying in the RV, and I was like, "Yo, that's wild, bro, dude!" If I didn't stay in the RV, like because of we were saving so much money by staying in the RV, we were able to afford the down payment um, for, for the, the new, new building. Place. Yeah, dude, for the new. We, we, yeah, so it ended up like all the decisions I made ended up working out, and. But those were very tough decisions to make, especially yeah. because like I was just kind of a hobby gym owner at the time, mm-hmm. and then I was forced to become more of a, a like get more financially tuned and be be <clears throat> more of a business owner. Isn't that crazy that like it took eight years? It was like eight years. Nine oh years. yeah, like, eight years of yeah. like just running it as a hobby, as a hobby, and just for the coach like, I'm and having become fun. A professional. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, I don't have a choice now. Like I'm like, it's either it's either I close down and go get a regular job, or I became or I make it more professional and ascend myself as a business owner and yeah. make things, you know, more yeah. streamlined. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the book, dude. I want to talk about your book. All right. So if you don't know, Eric written a book and um, I have read it. I have two copies actually. It's called uh, "Don't Run from the Fight." It's the freedom framework for men's power and purpose. Yeah. So Eric, what inspired you to write your book in the first place? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm naturally like a writer. So I do a lot of journaling and a lot of writing. And what happened was I shared, um, I was kind of, I was, I was going through COVID and I was sharing some of the stuff I was going through at the time I was processing, processing a lot of like my journey up until that point. And, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of trauma and a lot of different things that I think formed me and got me to where I'm at today that I was just sharing with someone and they were like, did you, I, th- I feel like your life or just your, your, the way that you coach people. Cause, cause I don't just, so the book kind of came out of a, a birth from a very natural progression. There was never this, like I'm writing a book, mm. you know, it was more like, Oh, someone's like, Hey, you, I think you have a really interesting story. Um, I was like, actually I, I use a lot of these stories to teach a framework. Right. So, so what happened was I, I took that and, and then I, I made it into uh, I made it more official in my coaching platform. I started teaching men like different pl- different um, frameworks to kind of help them get their lives in the right direction. Right. And fitness being kind of the catalyst to help them steer in the right direction. And a lot of it would just kind of be trying these different steps to get them going and process and helping them process um, some of their their stories of the past and getting them to go where they want to go in the future. So. Um, it, along with that came a lot of healing in my, my own family, a lot, my, a lot of my, uh, um, like interpersonal relationships, um, and familial relationships I think have, have strengthened a lot since then. Yeah. But yeah, the, the book really was, I'm um, honestly like first and foremost, it was probably for me. Uh, it was probably for the 25 year old version of me. Yeah. Um, and, um, the problem that, uh, I feel like I really solved by writing that was, a problem that I realized a lot of people have. And it's that like a lot of men, especially like in today's day and age, I think just have no direction on what to do. Like we have no clue what to do with our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think looking back on it, I think I had probably had a little bit more direction than the average person did because I, at least I had a business yeah. and I was married and I was like, I want to go in this direction. But in many ways I was still very, very lost. I was doing things because they were the things that I felt like I was supposed to do. 
right? Mm. Versus the things that I like, I want to do, right? You know, and yeah, that's kind of that's kind of really how the writing process started, but but uh, to this day, like I, like people ask, you know, like, am I going to write a second book? Um, maybe and probably, but I think I I it's weird. Like I don't even really identify as an author. Like it just feels like it's something that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like I don't write to try to sell a bunch of books. Like it just yeah yeah. So when you say that you felt like that you were doing things because you thought you were supposed to do it rather than what you wanted to do, yeah. can you go into more yeah. detail about that? Yeah, you know, I think I, I grew up I grew up in a very um, I was born in Whittier, California, so it's like thirty minutes north of here. Yeah, um, and uh, a child of two immigrants. Uh, my parents are first generation Taiwanese. Uh, they both came in their 20s and a lot of their story is that tr- that typical immigrant family story where we're here we're here to survive first of all we're here to like kind of plant plant some tent poles mm-hmm. and figure out like can we stay yeah you know it's, it's it's like can we hang here you know yeah they're 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 post like gold rush generation mm-hmm. right so they're post gold rush they're post like you know there's, there's there's starting to be a lot of immigrant communities flocking here towards into southern california and, you know, I think for them, it was just everything was survival. The job that they get, the businesses that they start, they're just a means to trying to make as much money as you can uh, and really live out like that American dream, the, the typical American dream of, you know, getting a, getting a house, uh, having two cars and two kids type of thing, you know. And I think they, they accomplished that. But in, in accomplishing that, I don't know that my parents ever... Um, lived a life that was like the one that they wanted you know they did things because they had to right they did things because they felt like that that's like that's what you're supposed to do and i think even now like as i as i look at my parents which like, i'm really really grateful for them for for what they were able to do so that like my brother and i could have uh the life the lives that we have today like i think yeah. it was built on their backs 100 percent. it was built on their backs and I'm, I'm super super grateful for that um i also look at like the level of like emotional development or intelligence that I have that maybe they're still kind of growing in, in their sixties mm-hmm. and I'm in my thirties and I have clarity over these because I had the space to work these things through. Yeah. I had the space to take care of my health mm-hmm. or maybe from watching them. I had a fear of like, dude, you know, like maybe, maybe trying to make a ton of money or doing all these things. Isn't like, like maybe my health isn't worth sacrificing for that because I see what that looks like on the other side. And the, the, the most, the funniest thing is, you talk to anybody as they get older, what is like the first thing they tell you that you should do is they usually tell you, you should take care of your health. Yeah. You know? So, so it's like, I don't think it's by any accident that accident that I ended up being in the industry that I am with the mindset that I have doing the things that I want to do to help people. Like even my book and, and what I'm doing with coaching people, it ultimately is to help people become happier, healthier people at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. I'm just focusing on men because like I am, I am a male and I have gone through these things, but I think there's a whole generation of people that are now confused about what, what is really most important, you know? Yeah. No, that's a great story. And, um, yeah, I know a lot about the story. So if you guys haven't picked up the book yet, I'll put it in the show notes, but I want to ask you also about the framework that you work. So you mentioned earlier about the framework. We, we walk us through the framework yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, so I think, I think the, the big thing is that a lot of people have this idea of what, what life should be like, you know, um, you go through life and you have these stories that you've accumulated over years. Um, you know, you have like, like, I believe that, for example, people that are in their, uh, 
people that are like, let's say our age, they're 30 years old, that have poverty mindset, they didn't, they didn't just develop poverty mindset like yesterday. Yeah. It was something that was ingrained from you from when you were probably cognizant of being alive. So like five, somewhere between five to eight, those, these memories of like value systems started to develop. And I'm, using, I'm just picking on poverty mindset because I think it's the easy one that a lot of people can identify with. Yeah. Right? Um, but for example, like for me, one of my earliest memories is... Um, one of my earliest memories is always shopping the sales sh- always uh, shopping the sales section. Yeah. So as a teenager, I remember um, my parents got a divorce, and my brother and I we are we are going to the grocery store, and my brother's like throwing food in the, in the in the grocery cart, and I look at him like I'm offended at what he's doing. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I, I want I want these cheeses, and I'm like, I look at him and I'm like, well, I just looked at the price, dude. They're not on sale. You can't get them. Like I'm his older brother telling him he can't get groceries. Yeah. And he's looking at me like, like, like you're not the boss of me, you know? And, but in my mind, because I was raised under the guise of, we only buy this, like the on sale items at a grocery store. So, and, and I'm, I'm literally, I can't get over the fact that he's willing to make my mom pay full price for like a snack. Right. <clears throat> And I realize now, like as an adult, like years later, where a lot of these ideas of how I how I see the value of something, or how I see uh, how I see what I should or should not pay for something, or uh, what something is worth, is predicated on all of these stories that I've told myself yeah. over years and years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, that's a great point. Like yeah. we tell ourselves stories all the time, and yeah. those stories aren't true. Yeah. Exactly. So the so the first so the first step is like being able to recall your stories. Yeah. And like looking looking at your life through the lens of like what are some of the stories that I've told myself um, up to, up until this point in time, right? The second step is to really take a look at them and being like, are they true? Are they true? And do they serve me well? Mm-hmm. Right. And then I take I take the reader through a section by section of like okay like if they're true, what does that mean? If they're not true, what does that mean? And then and then what's the next step is like. How do we tell ourselves a new story? How do we change our stories? And how do we tell ourselves new stories? Yeah. So as I, t- I take them through like step-by-step action plan of, um, so, so, good, so a good example of that is like, if you don't want to have poverty mindset, for, for example, like, what are you going to do to change that? What is going to change your mind? And what are you going to do? How are you going to practice? Um, uh, what practices are you going to put in place so that you don't have, so that you can start growing an abundance mindset? Yes. So it's like, what, what things do I need to stop doing? What things do I need to start doing mm. so that I can develop becoming this person, right? It's the same thing as like if you're trying to become a healthy person. Being healthy is an identity, mm-hmm. right? What we don't realize is that if, like, if you want to be healthy, it's, you can sh- make that choice like that. Yes. Hey, you know what? I want to be healthy today. Boom. You know what? What did I not do yesterday? Mm-hmm. Well, yesterday, uh, I worked. I worked from seven to seven. I got off. I I, I walked in my house. Uh, my kids came up to me. I was stressed out, so I yelled at them. We got through dinner. We bathed them. I'm making this up right now. Yeah. Exactly. I, uh, we uh, we bathed them, and then I put them to bed. And then after that, I talked to my wife about how my day kind of went. And then we both watched Netflix until we fall asleep. What's one thing that we can do that's going to be different today than we did yesterday? Maybe I can start off by, first of all, waking up a little bit earlier and doing something a little bit different. Maybe I'll go for a walk. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to go walk for 10 minutes before I just go to work today. Before I take that morning shower, uh, I'm just going to go for a quick walk, right? And then, then let's, let's call that Tuesday. 
So I did the walk on Tuesday. Maybe on Wednesday, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the walk again. I'm gonna stack that walk, and then when I get up, when I get home from work, because I'm kind of feeling a little better because I started my day a little bit differently. I'm not gonna be a dick to my kids mm-hmm. right when they were because they're probably really happy to see me. Yeah, they didn't see me all day, and so instead, I'm gonna have a positive interaction with them now, right? I feel good about that. They feel good about that. And then you know what? When I wake up on Thursday, I'm do the same thing. I'm gonna go for the walk. I'm gonna get home. I'm gonna greet my kids, and then before bed, I'm gonna do 30 push-ups. Right now, now I'm start, like like this person, this person Joe Schmo is already healthier than they were on Sunday. Yeah, right. Because with I, making some, some very small changes, very very small changes, and the next thing you know, a year later, you have a completely different identity. Yeah, I think people grossly underestimate the power of compounding. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Any other thoughts you want to share <laughs> on your yeah. on your friend? I, I, I have no follow up questions to that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see us going down that route, but um, no, that was awesome. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. I don't talk about any one specific, um, like realm in the book, but okay. really, it's just it's it's to help people get in the like started in the right direction. And a lot of it's asking ourselves questions, yeah, which I think most of us are kind of afraid to do because it's easier to live in the status quo of what is. It really is. It's you really know? easy to get stuck in that fixed mindset of. When I mean, I see this all the time when I talk to like when I do consults with yeah. people and they have such a fixed mindset to where the point where they say, well, I'm not like that, yeah. you know, I or like, you know, they already have a self-limiting yeah. belief. And it, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, there was a time also when I, I didn't work out. Yeah. There was a time where all I did was play video games yeah. where I got bad grades and yeah. had no direction in life. And then I did make that change in yeah. one in one day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a meeting with someone and then they said, they, they really gave it to me straight. And instead of taking that, that couldn't, that criticism yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, trying to get a cuddle and a bandaid for it, I did something about it. And then ever yeah. since that day, I've been completely different. So sometimes it just takes also someone telling you how it is. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of add to that to kind of wrap up that question about the book, but I don't really, I don't necessarily share this in the book, but I believe that we are one relationship away from completely changing your life. Oh, yeah. So what I mean by that is um, if we let ourselves live in the day-to-day mundane of what life is, yeah, you're going to get the same result over and yeah. over. If we do things like, I think Albert Einstein has a quote, like, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Yeah. Um, along those lines, I think if we continue, not, not to say that we should change our friends constantly, but if you, if, you, if you want to change, you also need to change. So, for example, if you want to be healthier, like... I have this thing, I talk about this in, I think, chapter 13 or 14 in the book, where I talk about, like, your personal board of advisors. So I have a personal board of directors for my finances. And these are not, like, these are not people that I pay. Yeah. They are good friends in my life that are way better with money than I am, mm-hmm. right? Then I have people in my life. So, like, like I would say that Sean is kind of, like, my, he's my tinker coach. He's, I've hired him. Yeah. So that is, that is a financial decision that I've made to put, put the right person around me to help me navigate what... So he's in charge of literally... His role is, am I tinkering in the right thing? Mm. So I have a specific person that I've hired in my life to help me figure out whether this is worthy of my time, energy, and effort, right? Uh, outside of my gym, because I know the cost of taking myself, my attention away from things that I've already invested yes, in. Yes, and Sean has definitely saved you from making some interesting Absol- decisions. Uh, abs- <laughs> absolutely, right? So, so there, there's that, right? Then I have people that are like on my spiritual board, then I have like people that I talked about my marriage and family, mm-hmm. right? Because I like I have, I have a friend that I'm on his board actually for his business because I'm better at business than he is, but he's he's on my my board for like family and relationships. So I call him all that. He's got four kids, and 
you know, we're in different time zones around the world now, but like, I really respect, like, I think he's a really great father, right? So I think the, all to say, the example that I'm trying to set with this, the story is we're, we're one change away. We're one relationship or network away from being around the right people. Yes. And what I mean by that is if you want to get healthier, well, and like, if you look at like your five closest friends and all of those people are pretty lazy and they smoke and they drink, you're probably number six. You're probably gonna smoke and drink. Yes. And if if that if, and if if you're not that person and you still hang out with them, I would be hard pressed to believe that a year from now you're not doing some of what they're doing. Yeah. Because of who you're around. Yes. Right. Um, I don't have like none of my closest friends are in any sort of debt. When I mean debt, I mean like consumer debt. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I don't spend like that. In fact, like if you kind of get close to my circle and I find out you have consumer debt, I start like getting on your ass. Like I start, can I say ass? Uh, <laughs> I, I start getting, I start getting on you because like, I don't, I, I don't want to be around that. Yeah. Like, and then what I do is I try to help you get out of it, even though that's not like my specialty or anything like that. Like, because <clears throat> I know if you're going to be close to me, that's something, something I want to be around. Right. And it's a, it's a, it's the same thing that goes for anything. It's like you, like if you want to elevate like your wealth, you, you like sad to say, but like you got to be around wealthier people or, uh, and it's not that you should like not have any friends that are like not as wealthy, but mm-hmm. you have to be around people that have the thing that you want. Cause that's the quickest way to get to where you want to go. No, absolutely. You know? That that's definitely an underrated thing that people don't think about, especially when it doesn't matter what you're starting. Yeah. If you want to get, improve on something, that your environment matters so much more 100%. than people think. It's one thing to want something. It's one thing to have a game plan. Yeah. It's one thing to have a uh, like you know all the details and clarity yeah. and the roadmap ready. Yeah. But if you're not around the right people, it's not going to be nearly as effective. Hundred percent. Like I was, um, like I was, t- you were asking me what my biggest takeaway, I, you know, hanging out with Jason Kleba was. Yeah. And. This is like a guy that's been in the CrossFit game since 2008. He's owned mm-hmm. a gym since 2008. He's been in CrossFit since like 2006 or seven. So he's really, really tenured in the, in the sport right. and the gym side, right? Probably 18, 20 years at this point. And, you know, I got to spend Friday with him and I watched him. And I think the proximity to just watching him in his element was so powerful for me because like the way that he shows up elevated the way that I want to show up. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah, like, you, you have something. You have a framework now, or, or yeah. an example to go. And it off wasn't of. even like I want to be exactly like him. Or I want to. I want to do as he does. Yeah. But there's elements of like the way that he shows up. I see how powerful it is and how how much of a value add he is in the spaces that he's chosen to be in. Mm-hmm. So like I, even the way that he introduces himself, even the way that he says, I was like, I could tell that he's on. Yeah. And he wasn't faking it. It was like he. It came from a place of he shows up to his own like businesses, right? And he's like, how do I serve? And the way that he says what's up to people and the way he daps people up, the way he looks at details, the way that, you know, we had conversations where he's like, yeah, like I, I never give, uh, I get, I never give negative criticism to any of my staff when I'm just stopping by the gym mm-hmm. He goes, it's not the time for that. I only tell them what they're doing. Right. That's such a great and little I was nugget like, right there. Dude, 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 I walked away from that and I was like, I evaluated like, like three conversations I had in the previous week mm-hmm. where I didn't mean to, right? But it's, it goes back to the whole thing of how do we show up as leaders in our spaces, like even be in class working out yeah. and like not turn it off. Yes. You know, and, and it's like, I thought about a conversation. I was like, oh man, like I owe Karen an apology. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were talking about client success with a client in front of her and I could tell she was doing personal training, but she was, in her mind, she was messed up somewhere because I was talking about it in front of her. Yeah. And I was like, dang, like, I really wish I didn't do that because my only job, if anything, that should be done in private. What should be done in public is just praise. Yes. 
And I, I just took that small and small little thing from watching someone that does it really, really well, and he's done it for longer. Mm-hmm. And that totally changes the structure of like how you lead and how people follow. Yeah, you know, and it changes the ecosystem of the people that are in your community too. Dude, hundred percent. Yeah, that's such a great place to wrap things up. Any final thoughts, Eric? That's, that's, that's all dude that was, that was such a great way to end it that was yeah. awesome thank you so much for coming on man it was a pleasure having you yeah, dude, we'll, de- we'll definitely have to have you on again because yeah, that, so. that was this is a lot of fun thank you so much for listening if this was helpful please leave us a five star review so we know to make more content just like this don't forget to follow us on social media at Red Wolf CrossFit and please DM us your questions there or any content suggestions we'd love to hear from you until next time good luck have fun nailed it have fun